When you hear that uh, story of Abraham and being given that promise that he would have a child even in his old age, wow, to believe that. And then you think of some of the other great people of the Bible that you hear of too, like the Apostle Paul and, and how he's just so eager to go out and he's like the greatest Christian missionary there is. And despite the, the opposition to him, he continues to be faithful in his message and in his ministry. Wow. And then you think of other wonderful Christians that we hear about in history, like a man like Martin Luther, who, who takes on the establishment of the church and, and, and shows how they're wrong in their teaching and, and works to correct it, even though he's threatened with death. Or you think of a, a man like Billy Graham in, in our age, you know, who's so dedicated to, to preaching the gospel. And you think, those are people who have great faith. Well, what about you? How would you evaluate your faith? Would you say, well, I've got a, a strong faith. Or maybe you'd say, well, like David did before, you know, sometimes it's strong and, and sometimes it wavers a bit. There are times of, of testing and, and questions and doubts. Or you might say, well, my faith is, is good, it's, it's active, it's pretty consistent, I've, I've had it all my life, nothing can really rock it, and, and, I, and I live it out, and all of those things are good. But then when you look at people like St. Paul, or, or Abraham, or Billy Graham, or Martin Luther, and, and you wonder, could I ever be a person of great faith? Maybe you think it's unlikely. There were two people in the Bible that we would probably say were unlikely to have great faith, let alone any faith, in the true God. Today we're going to meet one of them. It's the Roman centurion that comes or sends messages to Jesus. He's part of our lineup of people that we're looking at in the Bible. Real people who experienced real life like our life and found their help in their real God. And what we are going to learn about this man whom Jesus said had great faith is simply this lesson. You too can have great faith. Listen now as I read to you that account of this Roman centurion and his faith. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself. For I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. 
That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Wow. Jesus was amazed at a Roman centurion's faith. Would Jesus be amazed at your faith? What is it that stands out about this guy's faith? That it's called great faith. And great, we think big and strong and immovable and nothing can knock it down, nothing can wear it down. And we might look at our faith and say, oh, I've just got this little weak faith. And then you recall Jesus saying, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, and we're thinking, now wait a minute. Here he is, amazed at someone who's got this big, strong faith, and now he's telling us to have faith that's small like a mustard seed. And he tells us that faith that's small as a mustard seed could move mountains. It seems like a contradiction, doesn't it? It's not. Obviously, what we need to do is spend a little bit of time here looking closely at faith. The Bible itself tells us what faith is. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Confidence. That's what faith is. It's not just knowing, not just believing, but it's a trust, a confidence the word that's used in the Greek here implies that it's a confident expectation of something coming. In fact, the word was also used to, uh, to emphasize a point that there was a firm foundation underneath. In other words, what you're standing on was absolutely firm. If uh, you wanted to... Uh, buy some big-ticket item, you know, a car or house or something, would you do so on the basis of holding a lottery ticket that you think is the winning one? Probably not. I hope not, anyway, because that may not be the ticket. You may hope it is, because you don't have any evidence at all that it is. But would you make a purchase based on what you saw the bank said on your statement? you had in your account, now you have some evidence, some confidence then to, to carry through with that purchase. And that's what he's saying faith is. Faith is standing firm on a foundation that's firm, on the promises of God. Now, that word that's used here for confidence is also used in some other Greek literature 
as, as used for uh, describing what we would call maybe a title or a deed. So if I were to say to you, you have a title for your car and you can take out the piece of paper, or you have a deed for your house and you take out that piece of paper, both of those pieces of paper are kind of proof that you own it. It's yours. And that's what the writer to the Hebrews was saying. Faith is saying, it's mine. I own it. That's confidence. Confidence, he says, of what we hope for. What are you hoping for? Well, we're hoping for a good life, right? We're hoping for health, uh, security, uh, for our finances. Let's just put it under the title of blessings. We want those blessings from God. But we would also say, I know that I need forgiveness, and so I have that hope for that, and for eternal life, because I know that I won't live forever here. But God has got heaven in store for me. That's what we're hoping for. And we have confidence of all of that. What was the Roman centurion hoping for? We're told that he sent word to Jesus that his servant was sick. And not just sick, but at the point of death. Where people maybe would have been saying, that's it, get your things in order, you just have a few days. But he comes to Jesus with great faith confidence to make this request of Jesus. Why? How? Listen to what the scriptures say. The centurion heard of Jesus. He perhaps heard of his miracles. He heard of his teaching. He heard who Jesus said he was. God. And based on that, he had full confidence in his request. The point is, that confidence we have, that firm foundation we stand on, that title or deed that we can hold up, is Christ. We can only have that kind of confidence because we're connected to Christ. Okay, now let's go back to that other illustration where Jesus said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, would that be great faith? Yeah. And here's why. In and of itself, that mustard seed only has a little bit of life. And it can't do anything just sitting there in somebody's hand it has to be planted. And so it gets put in the soil, not way far down, but close to the top, so that the water can get to it. And then as it sprouts, so that the sunlight can touch it, and it grows. That little mustard seed is a perfect example of great faith, because it can only live when it's connected to the source of life. Faith can only be great 
when it's connected to Christ. Recently, I I read a little story about um, the peace talks after World War I. And some ambassadors from some of the Arab countries were invited to that conference. And they stayed in a very nice hotel and had accommodations they had never experienced before, like faucets in the bathroom. (laughs) They were just amazed that they could just turn the handle and water would come out. It would just keep coming out. They were so amazed and, and they wanted it that when it was time to leave the conference, they disconnected the faucets and took them with them. They didn't work, though, because they weren't connected to the water. And the same thing, faith is not, what do I have inside? Do I have the kind of personality, the kind of character? Do I, am I a person with a lot of optimism or perseverance that I can get through anything? Faith is only great when it's connected to God. Several years ago, I remember witnessing to a a Mormon missionary who came to my house, and and I asked him, how are you so sure that you're going to heaven? And his answer was, because Christ has paved the way for me. In other words, if I just follow on that path that Jesus has laid out and walked himself, then I'll get to heaven too. And I said to him, you know, that's the difference between you and me. I'm confident I'm going to heaven because not Christ paved the way, but because Christ is the way. He's the one who lived in perfect obedience to the laws of God. And I have that obedience given to me, credited, like Abraham, through my faith. Jesus is the one who, who suffered the penalty, who paid the debt that was owed to God for all my sins with his death on the cross. Because of what he did, I'm forgiven. Jesus rose from the dead, and because he lives, I will live too. Jesus is the one who rules now in heaven over everything. And so I know that everything is being run to bless me. You see the difference? Great faith is simply faith in Christ, who's done it all for us. So do you got faith? You know who Jesus is. You believe what he has done. Do you have great faith? Look at this statement. Without faith, nothing is possible. With it, nothing is impossible. Does that sound good? No, it's wrong. You see where the emphasis is being put? On you believing it. And if you don't believe it, then it isn't going to happen. Well, it has nothing to do with my believing it, but everything to do with God doing it. Because it's God who makes the impossible happen. My faith simply trusts that. That's the firm foundation I stand on. You see, I don't have to be like Thomas, who said, let me see those wounds. Then I'll believe that Jesus is alive. Jesus told him, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. 
the centurion heard about Christ. His confidence came from what Christ said and what Christ could do. And that is great faith. How do you get that faith? The scriptures tell us faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word about Christ. Hear about Jesus. That's how you get great faith. Now, do you remember your school days? And for some of you, you don't have to remember back too far because you're in school. <laughs> but when you went to school, the first day of school, the teacher didn't give you the test and say, okay, here's the test to show that you know Algebra 1, do it. You hadn't been taught anything about it. You knew that you had to get through the whole year to understand and pass that test. Likewise, when there were tests along the way, you probably heard the teacher say, now don't wait till the night before to cram for the test. Even though that's what we would do. And the same thing now. Don't wait for when you need great faith, for when some storm comes in life, for when some challenge is presented before you. Start studying, preparing now. Hear the word. So you're ready. Look at this picture. Look at that tower or whatever it is. Do you see a guy standing there in the middle? Would you do that? With those huge waves knocking up against that lighthouse or that tower? Knowing that that water could very easily sweep you away? That's confidence, isn't it? But not in his ability to endure the force of the wave or his ability to swim. It's because he's standing on something he knows cannot be moved. Now that is living with confidence. And so is what the Roman centurion did. Live with confidence. So now knowing what that confidence is and how we get it, let's see how we are to live with it. It's all about attitude, our perspective. Let's look at the details of that account again. Now when they, that is the Jewish leaders, came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, this man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. Did you hear the basis on which they were telling Jesus he needed to do something? He deserves it. Look what a nice guy he is. Look what he's been doing for everybody. He deserves to have something nice done for him. That sound familiar? Lord, look at all the things that I do. Lord, look how nice I am. Lord, look how often I go to church and I pray and I give my money to support things and on and on and on. I deserve the blessing, Lord. But look at what the centurion said. Now Jesus was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. 
Living confidently, that is, living in the confidence of faith, is reflected by simply our reliance on the mercy of God. It's not telling God, here's what I did, or here's what I can do if you would just bless me with this, but rather it simply appeals to his mercy. And God blesses us according to his mercy, not according to our merit. Remember the story that Jesus told about the two men who went to the temple to pray? One was a Pharisee, a Jewish leader who said, boy, I can keep all of these laws, and even went in the temple and said, God, I thank you that I am not like all these other people. And he had a whole list of terrible things that people did. And then in the back of the room, there was a tax collector who probably was a cheat. And he simply prayed, Lord, Have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus said, which one do you think home went justified, declared innocent by God? It was that tax collector who appealed for mercy, not tried to prove his merit. The Apostle Paul reflected on his life and his spiritual life, his religious life. And he said, look it, I have followed all the law since I was an infant. And I know all those laws forward and backward. I am a Pharisee of a Pharisee. And I am so zealous for the Jewish faith, I was even putting Christians to death. But he said, none of that matters. The only thing that counts is knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. Rely on God's mercy for what your needs are. Here's the second attitude. The centurion continues. He says, Jesus, you don't have to come to my house, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. Live with the confidence of faith that simply expresses a reliance on God's word. Jesus can say, go, problem, go, health issue, and it's gone. Jesus can say, come, and the blessing, the health, the solution will come. Jesus can say, do this, and your body will do it, or the doctor will do it, or the medicine will do it, or the the boss will do it, or whatever. Jesus' word has power, it has authority. Whenever you you hear about Jesus' miracles, take a look at where he is when the miracle happens. And I don't mean like he's in Israel. I mean, where is he in relation to the situation? Oftentimes, he wasn't even on sight. Jesus' word is powerful at a distance. Sometimes we want comfort that, you know, Jesus, if he was just right here, If he was in this workroom, if he was in this hospital room, everything would be taken care of. Well, first of all, we know that he is there. But more importantly, he just needs to speak the word from his throne where he controls all things. And it will happen because his word is powerful and trustworthy. Because it is so trustworthy, simply then submit 
to what his word will do. Sometimes when we pray, you know, we, we give God a list of options. God, I'm asking for option A. And if that doesn't seem to work, how about option B? And by all means, at least give me letter C. You don't have to give God options. Just make your request and trust. He always gives you the best one. One more thing that I, that I see reflected here in this centurion's attitude of confident living is using your faith to reach up for others. He's praying that his servant would be healed. It wasn't because he needed that servant. It wasn't like he's going, oh man, if this guy goes, then what am I going to do? Who's going to manage everything for me? I can't do a Google search yet because they haven't invented that. So how am I going to find somebody who's qualified? And I just don't have time to deal with all that stuff right now. It was not about him. It was about his servant's well-being. Live confidently for others. Reaching up to God and asking him to bless them. What are you facing in life? Is there some trouble? Some storm? Do you see it brewing down the road? Some difficult times at work or at school or with some people? Financial hardships? Some health challenges? Get faith in a great God who can handle it all. I remember when I was a kid and, and learning how to ride a bicycle, and my dad said, taking the training wheels off the bike. You've got to ride without those now. <laughs> Scary! No, it wasn't. Because Dad didn't let go. He just walked alongside and held on to me. And when he figured I had enough sense of balance, he let go, but he didn't walk away. He just kept walking alongside in case I would wobble and fall. Faith is simply that expression with confidence. Father, it's all in your hands. That's great faith. Amen.